630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When horses play football, do they get a penalty if they do a human collar tackle? I've really been spending a lot of time thinking about that lately. It is Friday night. Now the party can really start. Tell you what, I just put a poll out on Twitter. I've been been a bit of a Twitter poll craze. This is my third one this week. I'm out of control. Your favorite Grey Cup memory mostly involves two choices. Choice number one, football. Choice number two, alcohol. It is known as the national drunk. Unfortunately, we don't get to have a Grey Cup festival this year. I'm sure many of you have attended the weeks in Edmonton or in the the cities around the country. Some people go to the Grey Cup every year. Sometimes they don't care too much about the game. So that's what I want to know tonight on my Twitter poll, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Your favorite Grey Cup memory mostly involves, now I put mostly because I know there could be other things involved. Maybe there was some football and some alcohol uh, but I'm just curious if somebody said, what, what's your favorite thing that you remember from Grey Cup week? Is it something from the game or is it some other activity that perhaps you came involved in? Feel free to call me or text me as well. 780-496-0063 is the uh, number to call or text. I, I will say for me, even though uh, you know, I, did, uh, I, I did get out and enjoy some of the Grey Cup stuff here in 2018, I've only been to games in Edmonton. Um, so I haven't uh, gone to any other cities for for festivities or uh, anything like that. But I, I will say for me that definitely my favorite Great Cup memory would involve football. And I, I've been lucky enough in my lifetime to see some absolutely classic games. I didn't see Jackie Parker's fumble return in 1954. Uh, you know, didn't see the Fog Bowl or anything like that. But I think of uh, certainly the game Edmonton won in 2005 was an absolute classic going to overtime with Montreal. Those two teams meeting in the Grey Cup for the third for the third time in four years. Montreal won here in 2002. Edmonton won in Regina in 2003. And then they meet in BC Place in Vancouver in 2005. The Edmonton's down the classic third four conversion to Mookie Mitchell Edmonton goes up three Montreal comes back down Edmonton could have sealed it with a dropped interception uh, and then they tie it with a field goal they go to overtime and, and both teams score and then uh, and then Sean Fleming kicks a field goal and and Edmonton gets the stop on defense that was a great game I, I would think the most memorable games that I have seen so I can remember games going back to sort of I, I can sort of remember the Edmonton five in a row. I, I was still pretty young though, but, but the 1989 game was an absolute classic between uh, Hamilton and Saskatchewan in, in Skydome. Skydome had just opened that year in 1989 and Saskatchewan wins on Dave Ridgeway kicking a field goal on the last play to win 43, 40, just an incredible high scoring back and forth, big play game. Uh, that was a classic. And then I, I would think that I, I would think you'd have to put, of a of a more recent vintage, at least just thinking of games here um, that, that I've seen. Uh, I mean, I, I would you put both 2016 and 2017 on the list? 
if you had to list, um, and look, I know some of you are probably older than me, some are younger. I'm just talking games I've actually witnessed. Uh, the 2016 game also goes to overtime. Ottawa over Calgary, 39-33, huge upset. And that's where Calgary maybe could have gone ahead late in the game. And instead of handing it to Jerome Messam from about the one and a half yard line, they try a run to the outside with their backup quarterback. I can't remember the guy's name right now. Gets tackled. They go to overtime and Ottawa Ottawa wins it. Um, and then the next year in 2017, a bit of a snowy game at TD Place in Ottawa. And again, a huge upset Toronto over Calgary. Ricky Ray was, was great in that game. And that had that long fumble return by Toronto to... Uh, uh, to stop Calgary from putting it away late and Toronto eventually wins with a late field goal. That was a bit of a classic as well. But I think if I had to narrow it down to two, uh, it'd be 2005 or 1989, just in terms of pure quality of game, uh, unpredictability, wild finishes, big plays, tension, all that kind of stuff. As someone who wanted Edmonton to win in 2005, I, I would lean towards that one if I had to pick one one great cup game. But but uh, but anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, arms, yeah, arms were, yeah, you nailed it, buddy. The thirteenth man failure as a, as a crazy finish. I mean, that whole game wasn't that great of a game because for most of the game, Saskatchewan was way ahead. Like, like they were they were dominating the Alouettes, and th- this was two thousand nine at McMahon Stadium in Calgary. I, I think for a memorable finish, that might be the one. That might be the one because it was decided under such unusual circumstances. And the the kick that Montreal made, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't going to overtime because that kick was missed. That was that would have been the end of the game. Duvall missed it. Saskatchewan is celebrating. And then um, uh, Glenn Johnston, who we've had on the show, and we've talked about him having to make that call. And he said the officials get together and he says, okay, guys, are, are you sure? Are you sure we got 13 guys? And more than one of the other officials said, yes, that's a penalty on Saskatchewan. Uh, to me, that would be the most, it would, it would have to be the, the craziest finish. Now, I know for Rough Riders fans, and I've heard, I've just heard rumblings that there are pockets of Rough Riders fans in Edmonton and in Northern Alberta. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know for sure. I, I've never come across any. Apparently, they're not very vocal, but I've heard that there are some out there. But I, the, the Riders fans would remember that uh, a, a totally different way. Uh, now, the Riders had won in 07. They would win again in 2013. The Riders have been a pretty good franchise about the last 15 years. Um, but at, at the time, in, in, in 2009, they had won three Grey Cups, and I can't remember who uh, one of their beat writers uh, wrote in, in the paper the day after it. He said, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have now celebrated four great cups, but actually won only three because the celebration was on. And then it's the penalty and they got to go out there and, uh, and re-kick. So that was, uh, that was a pretty incredible moment. But uh, 1989 was an amazing game and, and clearly 2005. I mean, two teams that had been the the elite teams in the CFL for the you know basically three or four years previous to that going at it for the third time in four years and uh, it was Edmonton winning it in overtime Kevin says every great cup for me has been a fog ball so I'll have to say alcohol more memorable (laughs) that is a that is a fair comment for sure well alcohol is winning my poll not a lot of people have voted (laughs) but uh, well I got 68 votes in the last 15 minutes that's that's not too bad 
but it is fun. It is a fun week. It's uh, it's too bad we're missing out, but they've done Grey Cup Unite .ca. Um, you know, it's great here. We had we had Jerry from the Spirit of Edmonton on. They're having the concert um, on uh, on Sunday that you can get through the um, through the uh, through the website through the Facebook page, the double E Facebook page, Spirit of Edmonton Facebook page. Don't forget the CFL cheerleaders alumni organization has a virtual tailgate party Sunday at two. They're going to have Brett Kissel involved in that. And don't forget about the 50 50 on Sunday. You can go to the, uh, the website esks.com starts at 10 goes until eight. And if this does any, anywhere near what the Oilers did or exceeds it, it's going to be fantastic. And don't forget the winner gets half. And then all the remaining net proceeds go to the uh, Winifred Stewart Association's Joey Moss Memorial Fund. The 50-50 is presented by Sentinel Stores. So still a lot of stuff going on, but we're not, we're not going to get any memories of the big game that I was just uh, sharing a little bit with you right there. Okay, it is quarter after six. Uh, and again, if you want to chime in, 780-496-0063. The schedule did come out today for the CFL. Jordan Hoover from the Double E's on a little bit later on tonight. And Green and Gold Grey Cup Week will continue with Bill Smith, former mayor and uh, former player for the Double E back in the 50s and 60s. All coming up tonight. <laughs> Thunderstruck by Steve and Seagulls, a Finnish country band that does bluegrass covers of well-known hard rock songs. We were talking about them on 6.30 Chet Afternoons. I was filling in for Jalen today. Very cool. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> the uh, members of the band, according to Wikipedia, are Remmel, Herman, Hiltonen, Yampa, and Skubu. And I'm probably mispronouncing those because uh, I am not Finnish. 780-496-0063. It's 20 after 6. My goodness. Usually at this point in, in the year, this gentleman has called in about 50 times. But with no football, we haven't heard from him as much. It's Section O. Go ahead, O. Reed, how's it going, buddy? Doing well. Well, I got to tell you right now, it should be Friday night in Regina. And I sh- instead of calling in 50 times, I should be 50 rum and cokes deep in this. But uh, unfortunately, we're not, buddy. So it's a little different year. It, it, you know what? It's a little, it's kind of a little heartbreaking that we don't have a great cup. But at the same time, we kind of get to celebrate it online in such a way, you know, like the memory is not going to die. It's not going to fade away. The CFL is doing everything that they can to try and keep this thing going. And I think part and parcel of it is up to the fans to keep this memory alive too. So even though we can't be together in person for Grey Cup, why can't we do the Zoom meetings that's been going on all week and all the online virtual festivals? Reed, have you attended any of those yet? No, I haven't yet. Well, How have they been? Uh, actually, not bad. I was in the uh, I was in the, the diversity one the other day. That one was pretty good. And uh, kind of the unofficial one, big one tonight is BC Lions Den out of Vancouver is putting together a big a big Zoom mit- meeting. So we know there's gonna be a lot of sociables and a lot of mm-hmm. adult so look, beverages happening with that one. So and the spirit. So look, I want to I want to ask you something, well. sectional, because we yeah. we know you like that stuff. You're as hardcore a fan of the league as I know. 
Uh, how are you feeling? Like they put out a schedule. So you're thinking this is great. They put out a schedule or are you thinking, why would they, why would they bother? Cause we don't know what's going to happen. Like what's your mindset there? They have to do it to sell the season tickets and to sell the sponsorship. So this is step one of regaining that confidence. So is the schedule going to stay the same? I don't know. I doubt it, but it's, it's step one in putting it out there to give the fans the hope and to give the fans and the sponsors and everybody around the confidence that we are going full steam ahead with 2021. We're going to put 2020 behind us. Guys, we're going to be back. It's the comeback season. And I think that's the angle the CFL is trying to present. And I hope uh, there's a vaccine coming in pretty quick and we can all at least have somewhat fans in the stands for 2021. I think that's why they put the schedule out, Reed. All right. Section O, thank you for calling and thank you for listening. Okay. Take care of yourself. Take care, buddy. 780-496-0063. We also have Harold on the line. Harold, thank you for calling. Go ahead. You're on. Do we have Harold? Okay, we lost Harold. That's okay. He may got maybe got shy at the last minute. That's okay. That was good to hear from uh, Matt from Sectional. Well, and some details about the schedule. It does uh, it it does look a little different, but but the way it looks different isn't because of COVID. Uh, they've they've changed the format a little bit. They've still put out eighteen games. They've stood but still put out 20 weeks, uh, 21 weeks, pardon me. Each team is now is still going to get three bye weeks, which they added in a couple of weeks ago in, instead of two. But here's what's different. And Randy Ambrosi brought this up to me in the past, that he wants to emphasize divisional matchups. So we used to be that, say you're Edmonton, you're in the West, you would play two teams in your division three times, and you'd play everybody else in the league twice. So that's 10 games against the West, eight against the East. Now, for Edmonton, they play every team in the West three times each. That's 12 games, and then they play six games against the East, which means they don't play everybody twice. So, for example, uh, they play Hamilton and Toronto twice, only one game each against Montreal and Ottawa. And if you're a fan of the Ottawa Red Blacks here in Edmonton, they will not be coming to Commonwealth in 2021. And I, uh, so, so Randy wants to emphasize the, the divisional matchups and, and that's where they're going. He's just saying, Hey, let's just have now it's because of the nine teams, it didn't work out quite the same. I, I looked at the schedule for the, for the rough riders since let's face it, they're the most popular team in the league. They have 11 Western games and seven against the East, as opposed to 12 and six for uh for the green and gold so it didn't it didn't balance out quite the same way for everybody but still there, there's an extra divisional game in there for saskatchewan than what there's been in the past two extra for for edmonton so that's what he's emphasizing if we ever get if we ever get halifax in the league i think they're going to stick with the divisions and and then i think i i actually think that they would cut down to 17 games and you would alternate the years you play nine home, eight away, and eight home, nine away. Then I think they'd have you'd play everybody in your division three times each for twelve, and you'd only play one game against each team in the other division. Twelve and five is seventeen. Now you'd you'd lose a home game every second year with that, but with an extra team in the league, uh, you'd still get the same number of games on on TSN. And you know, I, I I'd love it if they went to sixteen games. I, I just think that's a that's a better number. It doesn't drag on as much. And let's face it, 
the the more games you play the fewer teams should make the playoffs but what the cfl does is they have a long regular season and then they only eliminate a third of the league so anyway but but it will be a little different and for edmonton the schedule man it is home heavy in the first half of the season if and when we get there six of their first nine at home and then they only have three of their final nine uh at commonwealth stadium but uh looking looking a bit of a ways ahead there but they did but they did uh get the schedule out the very first regular season game would be thursday june 10th hamilton at winnipeg recap of the great or a rematch of the great cap we saw a year ago okay 780-496-0063 if you want to call in or text inside sports at 630ched.com is the email jordan hoover really good interview i always enjoy whenever we talk to jordan really interesting guy He's going to check in from the green and gold. And uh, Grey Cup week continues at 7.30 with Bill Smith. Bill Smith, Grey Cup champ in 1956. And then he went on to be the mayor of Edmonton. All only hours remain buy your mighty millions lottery ticket now and you'll be in to win the 2.5 million dollar grand prize show home plus $100,000 cash the biggest prize of all helping the Stollery kids of course like mighty Alina don't miss out get your tickets before midnight tonight that's the absolute final deadline and there's over 2,400 prizes to be won including this 2.5 million dollar show home we've been broadcasting live all day here today so don't wait get your tickets you can see what it looks like inside the house online there's a virtual tour and a full photo gallery as well I know it's not the same as being able to come out here and see it for yourself but you'll love the photos and you'll be blown away by absolutely how luxurious this home is it could be yours maybe this is your year but it's the absolute final deadline and it's over 90 percent sold don't wait be mighty and go to mightymillionslottery.com sportscentral.org to check that out uh sports central and the edmonton oilers community foundation putting that on all in honor of the late and legendary dave Samenko, enforcer for the edmonton oilers back in the day and uh that's to, to to raise money to bring in equipment for kids to play hockey and of course you know other equipment other equipment too sports central uh as you know they will take gently used equipment they will take monetary donations i know that's tough for a lot of people uh with what we've been going through and everything but uh but you know what if you got um if you have some hockey gear that's not being used to maybe your kids have outgrown it or even an old baseball glove, old set of golf clubs. If, if you're like me and you're just so irritated by the game, don't throw them in a water hazard. Donate them to Sports Central. Dave's Drive is going on right now, but uh, you can help Sports Central all year long. So uh, remember to to check that out if you can. SportsCentral.org. 780-496-0063. Is uh, the number to call or text? What is this one? Oh, wow, this is amazing. 
I, I wish this person would have called in, quite frankly. Um, but this text says, just came in, I have to admit that I've had to pick up a paper the next morning or watch the news to find out who won the game. One great cup that I wasn't even born at the time, but I feel like I was there, is when my dad, Bob Dean, kicked the winning convert after the Hunsinger fumble to put Edmonton up 26-25. Uh, and then this person adds, the CFL will be around a long time after we're dust and all the naysayers can suck it. <laughs> then then uh, this person writes, sorry, after that. Well, I think he can, we can say can suck it on, uh, well, maybe we can't. It's too late now. But uh, it's okay. So that's really cool. So that person is uh, a child of the kicker from the 1954 Grey Cup after the very famous Jackie Parker fumble return, I guess would have tied the game. And then, then, then yeah, the kick had to go through. Wow, thanks for sharing that. That, that is uh, really cool. I think Harold has called back. Harold, I'm sorry. I assume some sort of dog or small animal cut you off before. I think we're connected. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Reed. No, I was I was just going to mention about, you said about these pockets of Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans in Alberta. I did. Well, a lot of a lot of these kids they grew up going to the to the rough rough rider games, and then they came to work in the oil patch. Like uh, I, I met a lot of these guys, and uh, I remember I'm not sure what year it was, but it's probably like about maybe half a dozen years ago or so. It was a game in July, and it was about 32 degrees uh, air temperature, and at the at the intermission. They came over the PA and said, "All oh, the Pilsner beer is gone." At <laughs> <laughs> like, a game like, in like, Regina. Yeah. Or, no, it was, okay. here, it was here in Edmonton. Oh, it was here. But, but <laughs> That's great. I, I'd say half. I'd say half of the guys had had the green and white, you know, with, with, with the melon tops and all that stuff going on. And uh, the, it was at the end of the intermission, and the guy they, they came over the broadcasting and he says, uh, "Unfortunately, we, we ran out of Pilsner beer because they love their Pilsner in in Saskatchewan." Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I I, I give uh, I give Riders fans a hard time sometimes, but I, I have a lot of respect for them. They they might be the most passionate fan base in the league, and no oh, insult sure. to no insult to Oilers fans or Canadians fans or Leafs fans. They might be the most passionate fan base in the league for any team. And, you know, I, you, you know, Harold, I was talking because I, if, well, I was still on the afternoon show, but I've talked about it on this show. Like some people complain about the schedule. Why aren't the games at this time? Why aren't the games at this time? And I said, well, you know, TSN determines a lot of the game times. But if I'm TSN, I'd be going to the riders and I'd be saying, when do you want your games? Like that's, yeah, you know, exactly. I think some teams should get that, get that leeway. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right, Reed, for sure. But like I said, it was uh, it was a memorable afternoon. It was like uh, either a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. But it was like, man, it was smoking hot, and and there was like forty five or so thousand people in the stands. Like it yeah. was just unbelievable. Like, what, what an unbelievable game. Yeah, for sure. Harold, thanks for that memory, buddy. Yeah. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks, Reed. Okay. That's Harold, 780-496-0063. So the CFL schedule is out. You can get a closer look at the double E schedule in the story on 630chat.com. Defensive back for the team, Jordan Hoover checks in. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. I'm, uh, I'm excellent. Thanks again for having me. A pleasure as always being here with you. Well, it's always nice to talk to you, and it's interesting a lot of CFL players, or at least some, and, and some of your teammates have, have jumped into coaching 
when they weren't able to play this season. Greg Ellingson, I talked to him coaching in Florida, and you're kind of doing that because uh, of a very furry addition to the family. Uh, I do. I am now the proud father of a 12-week-old puppy who I love dearly most days, uh, <laughs> except for those early mornings. But, uh, yeah, I've, been, uh, I've got my hands full with a little pup here with my girlfriend, Michaela. Uh, new addition to our family, and uh, you know what? I don't want to say bit off more than you can chew, but what a mouthful of responsibility we never, you know, foresaw. But we are enjoying every second of it, and we're a very happy family. Uh, the young, the young pup's name is Finnegan. Uh, he's a golden retriever, and uh, yeah, we're very excited about him. Now, does Finnegan have an athletic skill set that would lend himself to a certain position in football? Uh, no, he has no speed or agility yet. Uh, the only thing he'd possibly be good at is the quarterback slide. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. When you get, when he starts chasing, he gets tired. He tends to just flop to the ground. And I think, uh, think he's going to have to be a quarterback because of that move. All right. Well, in, enjoy the experience of having a puppy. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, every let, second let, of it, thank you. Let, let people know what you've been up to. Uh, I mean, obviously, Hey, this has been a big curveball this pretty much in, entire year. Uh, what have you been doing? What have you been uh, getting up to or doing to stay in shape? Things like that. Sure. So uh, for myself, just trying to follow some sort of routine, right? I'm not letting uh, this time off get the best of me. So I'm still working diligently with my, uh, my trainer here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, uh, by the name of Tyler Belanger. Uh, I started my off season with them after the season last year and, now we have quite the extended one. So I've been doing my training there and staying in shape and, and all that sense. And then uh, on top of that, uh, you know, my hometown hasn't seen football for, well, well over a year now. There's no high school league, no summer league, nothing like that. So uh, I've been busy doing some uh, speed camps on the weekends, uh, getting some kids involved and trying to keep them in shape for uh, recruiting at the university, things like that. And uh, one other thing I got in the works here is trying to uh, get a seven-on-seven -seven league going. Uh, you know, COVID parameters permitting sometime in, you know, January, February, and kind of, kind of, you know, get football back to the kids here in my hometown. It's, it's been a long time since they've, they've had it myself included. So I, you know, I want to be around it. I want to give back and man, we just love football. So we're trying to get that going here in Sault Ste. Marie. So that's been keeping me busy. Well, that's good. And you're giving kids somebody to look up to and and you know for those who want to pursue football i think they can aspire to have uh, your type of a career who who are players or athletes you looked up to when you were that age uh you know what it was the people in front of me as as a young kid it was the ones in high school and then at high school is the ones that were there getting recruited so it was like the you know the mentors and trainers in front of me um those people that were my trailblazers and and led the way one one unique challenge from my hometown is kind of getting away we're a pretty isolated northern city in ontario so any type of recruiting and any type of you know movement out of the sioux is a hard jump so just those trailblazers ahead of me that you know instilled like you know a sense of it of purpose and drive and you know help help light that flame in my chest to, to make the jump out of the sioux and you know take that leap to to a football team and, and university and get away and uh and grow you know as a player so just those trailblazers uh and obviously coaches mentors trainers parents family along the way everybody it's a it's a big support group jordan hoover from the edmonton football team joining us tonight at inside sports okay there's a schedule out for next season now there was a schedule for this season you didn't get to play it but just to to see that schedule on paper and hear Commissioner Ambrosi talk with a lot of optimism this week, uh, what, what does that mean to you? Do you do you share some of that that optimism about 2021? Of course. I mean, at this point, optimism is all we have. I'm not going to waste one second 
you know, doubting or being pessimistic about a thing. I, when I woke up this morning, it was like Christmas. Uh, big smile on my face. There's a schedule. There's football on her on the horizon. There's a plan in place, and it's six, seven months away. It feels like, but man, I could smell that turf already. So I'm super excited to even have something on paper this far out. I mean, that's that's gold to me. That's as as good as it can get right now. I think so. I'm pumped about it. A bit of a change this year. Usually the green and gold, you, you would play uh, 10 games in, in the West and you'd play eight games against the Eastern teams. For 2021, it has you down for 12 games in the West. So you play everybody in your division three times, six mm-hmm. games against the East. So you don't actually do home and away uh, against everybody. A uh, bit, bit of a change with even more of a divisional focus. Sure. Um, well, you know, I've been, uh, this would have been my fourth year, so you know, I don't even know how to explain it going into my fifth year playing my fourth next year. It's kind of a weird ring to it, but we'll say after all these years, um, you know, we always talk about the division, how challenging each one can be, but I'm seeing that, you know, the East climb and there's some great teams in the East. Now there's great teams in the West. But one thing I'm taking away from this schedule is if you want to be the best in the West, you're going to have to prove that week in and week out because you're going to be seeing a lot of them, a lot of the West. So it's going to be a, a tough season. Uh, I think on everybody, because, you know, divisional games tend to be the tougher ones um, and and rivalry games. And uh, it's an exciting time. It, it doesn't matter. I'll play the same team, you know, 18 weeks in a row. If that means we're playing football. So 12, 12 and six or 10 and eight, whatever it is. And football is back. And uh, I'm absolutely uh, ecstatic about it. I had Gizmo Williams on the show on Tuesday, and he said before one game in Regina, an elderly fan, a woman called him over to to speak to him while he was warming up with Damon Allen. And she said, uh, Gizmo, if you run a touchdown back on this field, I'm going to beat the hell out of you with my cane. Uh, come on, you ever had man. any, you ever had any trash you know talk what? I've that never, direct? I've never been threatened like that by a lovely old lady, but, um, you know, I, I hope I get a little story like that. Obviously one of the most respected returners of all time in Edmonton, that's a, a legend truly. So, uh, I, I hope he followed through, and I hope he got a nice cane whooping for being successful out there. <laughs> well, yeah, if they're trash talking you, that mean and they hate you, it means you're probably a pretty good player. Yeah, uh, I think that's their their intent is to to get in your mind a bit. They're, they're doing it on purpose. It's nothing personal. Jordan, have you have you been watching NFL or or, or NCAA football? I mean, I'm just wondering. Um, you know, as uh, as a defensive back, I mean, I watch a lot of Seahawks games. Jamal Adams mm-hmm. is outstanding. Uh, you know, Ramsey's outstanding for the uh, for the Rams, and they got a pretty good defense. Are, are there any guys that have really caught your eye this season? It, it doesn't have to be a DB, but I thought I'd start there since that you, that's your position. Well, you know, I, one guy, I, it's going to be pretty funny. I don't know where I'm pulling this out of, but I've really enjoyed watching this year is the Saints backup quarterback, uh, Taysom Hill. I think he's fantastic player. I love everything about him. Like he's a, he's like a Jack of all trades, plug him in quarterback, running back wide receiver. He's running down on punting, making tackles. I think if we're picking a favorite player right now, all inclusive football player, it's gotta be him. But uh, defensively speaking, you know, it's pretty much anyone, uh, anyone would watch, uh, you know, the safeties. And I'm just trying to like, you know, pacify my, want for football by watching these games but I find myself watching the formations and how you know you, you get the the slow-mo breakdowns and I'm just trying to just educate myself football-wise 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 every time I turn that tv on to watch the NFL game so you know players of course formations things like that it might be one less person but you can still get the gist of it you follow along football right so um 
just like I said, just trying to pacify uh, my thirst for football by crunching as much NFL and NCAA games as I can. All right. Well, Jordan, thanks for checking in. You're always a pleasure to interview, uh, interview, and uh, I know you're uh, you're itching to go for 2021. So thanks a lot for checking in. Good luck with Finnegan, and uh, we'll talk hey, to you soon. Great. I appreciate it. And just one one quick shout out before I go. I just want to for the listeners and the fans, uh, just a quick reminder that uh, the Edmonton football team. Uh, 50-50 tickets are going on sale uh, November 22nd at 10 a.m. Uh, all those proceeds are going to a uh, great cause in support of the Winfred Stewart Association's Joy Moss Memorial Fund. Uh, that's being sponsored by Sentinel Storage. So any and all information on that can be found on S.com. That's E-S-K-S dot com. Uh, Reed, appreciate the time, man. It's a pleasure as always getting to chat with you. Uh, I miss Edmonton. I miss football. But uh Hey, man, the future's bright. We got a season on the horizon, and I, I can't wait. Jordan Hoover, defensive back for the green and gold. Now, he does have a year remaining on his contract. So even if they decide that this year will count as a contract year, he will be back in double E or uh, whatever the team is going to be called. Probably announced sometime in the new year. We'll talk about that and uh, other things with Dave Campbell coming up between 7 and 7.30. As for hockey, we continue to wait. The clock is ticking for a January 1st start. I do believe there will be a season. I believe the biggest hangups now are financial, despite the planning that will have to go into scheduling and safety and avoiding COVID and all those types of things that are very important. But you've heard uh, discussion here on Bob's show, and I'm sure with uh, other folks about uh, the players being asked to defer more salary or put more into escrow, which they probably would would never get back. And, uh, and that didn't sit well. Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet was on earlier today with Bob and sort of a recap the last few days. Like the first guy who got a whiff of it was Larry Brooks at the New York Post, right? Yeah. Like he was the first one to report that there was going to be a request and the change to um, uh, to uh, to deferred payments. They were going to ask for more deferred money. Then I think I was the first one to report that they'd ask for a change on the escrow percentage. And um, but Larry's got out before the players and agents as a group had really heard it. So they were already kind of mad. They were like, why are we reading this in the media? And, uh, you know, so, and I've got no problem with that because that's my business. So, but I know it upset some of the agents and players. That was on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, they had their meeting. And I didn't know how it all worked, but I understand now that uh, I guess the Players Association put up the proposals on what it's on a screen so whatever device you were watching them on the players could see them and when the players started to see what it was uh they were really upset and um like the guys told me it was one of the it was probably there were some guys that told me it was the angriest conference call i have ever been in and you know like 
there's a lot of different perspectives here. Some people support the players. Some people support the owners. Um, you know, we're going through an unbelievable period in our life that people are going to be studying for centuries to come. You know, you can decide who you blame or don't blame here. The players were just very upset. They felt they made a deal four months ago. Why do they have to change it? And the league's opinion, and there are some players who believe that this was the league's plan all along. Just the bad history between them kind of boils into it. And the league's position is quite simple. They said, look, like we have a 50-50 agreement. We're not going to play with fans for most of, if not all of this year. And the revenues are going to tip heavily towards, and the salaries are going, to, are going to make more than the revenues. It's going to be tipped heavily towards the players. And the deal says you have to make that up. So how do you want to do it? And their position is cold, hard business logic. And the player's position is, hey, we made a deal. Why do we need to change it? And, you know, like it's, it's not easy. And, you know, I've had people tell me, like, you know, they're not the only business that's going through this. And so everybody's kind of adapting on the fly. I mean, whatever, whatever you believe. But the bottom line is, Bob, I think they're going to find a way. It's not going to be easy. I think this now Bill Daly, or I guess Chris Johnson reported today, my teammate, that the league still believes January 1st is a possibility. It's going to be tough. I, you know, this knocked the train off the tracks a little bit. I think it'll get back on, but I think it pushes everything back a little bit. Like, I know there were teams that were hoping there would be a deal done this weekend. That's not happening. And I think it's going to be a challenge to get it done next week. You know, I can tell you, Bob, just through the calls and the research I've done the last two days, it's really going to be hard to get the players to agree to increase their escrow. However, I do think that some agents have done the math for their clients and they're, and they're advising them not to be against deferring the salaries you know as long as there's a payment plan and that that money is guaranteed that you can't come back down the road and say oh okay we gotta we gotta change it again but i do believe that there are some agents saying hey the deferment is not the worst thing here all right, good summary there from uh, Elliot Friedman. And uh, as you said, a really angry conference call for the Players Association a couple of days ago. A lot to figure out. We'll dive into that a little more in the next hour. Uh, Dave Campbell's going to drop by, and Bill Smith is our Green and Gold Grey Cup Week guest. Between 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.